We are in, in a series here called The Original Christmas Cast, where we've been walking through some different characters in the original Christmas story. Um, we've done Mary. We've talked about Joseph. Uh, last week, we talked about Herod, the not-so-great, um, and, and learned some things from him. This morning, we are looking at the shepherds. If, if you walk into a, a grandparent's house and they say, let's read the Christmas story, they would more than likely turn to Luke chapter 2, and that's where, we're going to be, that's where we're going to be reading from this morning. What I'd like to do is just read these verses first, and then we'll come back to it. Is that okay? Uh, okay, that's, I'm going to do it anyway. So, uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1, just so you can, I mean, this is, you're so familiar with it, but how good to hear it this morning. Probably read it again next Sunday morning as well. But let's just read, starting in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, if you have your Bibles with you. And we're going to read all the way through verse 20, so just hang with me just for a minute. Starting in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, this is where we'll spend most of our time today in verses 8 through 20, looking at the story of the shepherds. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Another recurring theme over the last three weeks, right? Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, to you, to me, to your neighbor, to the person that you meet on the street. Good news to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Can you imagine that just for a minute, what that must have been like? The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Actually, they probably said it more like, Let's go to Bethlehem. Are you with me for a minute? Like, let's go to Bethlehem. So the, the, the title of this, this sermon, I want to pause just for a minute here, is, is Let's Go. And I got some friends who are in ministry and pastor other churches, and we got this text group, and sometimes we share stuff that's a struggle. Sometimes we share uh, incredible things God's doing and that we're seeing that's encouraging. A lot of times I'll, I'll share something or another one will share something that, that God has worked out in their ministry. And, and one of the common responses is, let's go, with an exclamation point. It's like this encouragement. It's this, it's this reminder that we're joining God at work. We're going to go in faith. Let's go. 
So I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, let's go. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, where are we going? All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, we're about to find out. We're about to find out where we're going to go. Because we're going to go. We're going to go somewhere, and we're going to go to that place together, okay? Let's go. And he says, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I know some moms in here have some things in their heart that they think about often. Luke 2.20, the final verse, says, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. What happens in this passage is really a birth announcement. I don't know if you all enjoy seeing these things on social media that our culture has come to of, of gender reveals for babies or pregnancy announcements that happen on Facebook. Uh, and, and as I was thinking about this birth announcement of Jesus, one of the things that came to mind, y'all ever been in the hospital when a baby was born? You hear that music come on, it's so peaceful because and, and, uh, it's not your baby. <laughs> um, and so you hear these birth announcements. So I found some funny ones. I just Googled funny birth announcements just to kind of get us thinking about this. This is one where, uh, you know, the older sibling's now getting kicked out of the crib and there's a new baby coming, right? The, the announcement. Um, a special delivery. You know, had them in a, in a box. That looks dangerous. I wouldn't endorse that. And uh, with... With two babies that were due in December, I can feel this one. You know, we were, we were praying for, you know, prior December 31st birthday. Come on. Uh, our latest tax deduction. And, uh, and, and so these are joyous times in our lives as babies are being born. And, and I thought about, man, what a show God put on here in the announcement and the birth of Jesus. I've got to go to a lot of concerts this Christmas season, high school band concerts, choral concerts, and hear singing. And I think I just, I can't imagine being in a dark field at work as a shepherd and an angel appearing in the night and then the armies of heaven to appear and sing a song about the birth, the announcement of something that was hundreds of years in waiting, that, 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 that only their, their papaws, 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 papaw talked about and remembered. It's been 400 years since God had spoken to the people. And I can't imagine what that announcement must have been like, but as I thought about it, I thought about the let's go thought that God gave me. And I thought about the angels first. That's the first group I thought about. I thought, man, when God gathered them up, the Father said Jesus had been born and he was going to give them their assignment, the angels. He said, I got something I need you to do. If I would have been just watching this play out, and I don't know how, we don't know how it played when I'm kind of, I'm kind of hypothesizing here. But I can imagine you gathered them up. I've been watching. I've been like, all right, Jesus has been born. He's getting the angels. He's going to the temple. I'm going to send the angels to the temple. I'm going to send the angels to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who were so close to God in their own minds. 
And that he's going to send to them. They've been waiting and talking about the Messiah for all this time and reading the prophecies in the temple. I'm going to send the angels there in the middle of all the everybody and tell as many as we can at once. And I imagine as the angels gathered up and God the Father said, Hey, we got an announcement to make. I need you to go to the shepherds. Right? Like, that doesn't make sense. The shepherds were seen as a social outcast. These were people that were considered unclean by all of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time. People that if they bumped into them and touched them, they had to wash themselves. People they would not commune with or have dinner with. People they were not in relationship with. People that they looked down upon. People that were considered to be undependable. Like there's always out there chasing sheep around. They lose them and they'll get somebody else's sheep. And it's like this is what they were thought of. And yet God goes to these ordinary, plain, outcast, outsiders, forgotten, looked down upon people first to announce that his son has been born. Thought about that as the angels went, okay, <laughs> all right, all right, whatever you say, here we go. And they showed up, and I, I don't know why God chose them. I know there's some things that, that in my heart I began to think about as I studied, and I, I realized that it's very likely that, that these shepherds were what have been known as uh, the Levitical shepherds. They would have been the ones watching and caring for the sheep that were used as sacrifices in the temple. Um, and, and, and this was the Old Testament before Jesus if you were a Jew a practicing Jew in order to get your sins forgiven you had to every year go to Passover and sacrifice a lamb and that was how you got your sins forgiven but it didn't last you had to go year after year and it was a lot of pressure and it really just reminded you of all your brokenness. And, 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 and so I think about that, and that's probably the, the sheep that they were raising. And if it was, it was kind of like uh, a notice of unemployment coming in the future. <laughs> because John, when he saw John the Baptist, you remember John the Baptist in, in John chapter 1, verse 29, when, when he was baptizing people and he saw Jesus come, and you remember what he said. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of all. Behold the Lamb of God. I'm just thinking about that and how Jesus was known as the Lamb of God. And I remember John, right? That wasn't the first time he'd been in Jesus' presence. He was in the womb the first time when Mary went to see Elizabeth. And John was so excited, he began to dance in the womb in the presence of the Lamb of God. So we find this little baby that's going to be born, that has been born, that's being announced, is, is not only is he king, not only is prince of peace, not only is he savior and messiah, he's also the Lamb of God that once and for all will make the sacrifice that any man, any woman would choose to put their life and faith and trust in him can't get rid of all guilt and shame and, and strife and internal worry that falls into our life. Hebrews 10 said it kind of like this. It talks a lot about the old way of sacrifice. And in verse 10 it says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once 
for all time. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. One time, you go to Jesus one time, and you are made perfect, and then you become and begin to grow in your holiness and become more and more like him. But immediately... All of your sins are forgiven. You have a right standing in heaven. There is no condemnation once you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He was and is the Lamb of God. It also reminds me that he would later say uh, in John uh, chapter 10, Jesus himself would say, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And maybe when these angels announced that he's Savior, he's Messiah, and he's the Lord, I thought, man, what if it hit them right at that moment? And they probably would have reminded or they would have known Old Testament Scripture, and they would have known the 23rd Psalm. And when they heard Lord, maybe they would have thought, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So you've got these people, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and for, and for us, y'all, how many of y'all met a shepherd in, in the Middle East? How many of y'all met a shepherd? Yeah, we got one, we got a few. All right, so for most of us, this is a, an unknown occupation. We don't know, it. I mean, we've been taught it, we've kind of heard it, we don't know. It'd be, it'd be different if they said, if Jesus said, see, I am the good teacher. Or for Brandon, they said, I am the good fireman. Or like, because you got to understand when he said that for these people, it meant something. Immediately they understood what that meant and related to it. And, and I thought of these shepherds who'd spent their entire lives taking care of, of, of nasty, contrary little animals. Right? Kind of like being a parent. You feel like you've spent your whole life taking care of them, and no matter, no matter how much you've done and taught and said and, and whatever, they still run and jump in the creek and the briar patch, and they do these things, right? And so this shepherd, they, they've carried this weight their whole life of caring for people. And I thought maybe in this moment they begin to think, man, it, it, it feels good to have somebody take care of me. Maybe you felt that as a parent, you felt it as a teacher, you felt it as a caretaker. And maybe for, for once they realized figuratively, man, I'm a sheep. I'm not, I'm not a shepherd, there's one shepherd. I'm just a sheep that as soon as you get me out of the briar patch, I'll jump back in it. And Jesus said, I am the good Shepherd, I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Man, isn't that incredible to think about the angel saying, let's go. Let's go to the shepherds. It's who he's called us to. It's who he sent us to, and we're going to go tell them. And what it must have felt like as they heard that invitation. It reminds me that, man, God came for anybody and everybody. <laughs> in any place, anywhere you are, any, anything you are, anything you've done, any place you've been, 
doesn't matter. Actually, man, the, the, worse, the worse off it is, the deeper his grace and heart breaks for you and more he wants to be with you. He's not madder at you. He's, he doesn't get more angry at you. The worse you are, the deeper he loves you and his heart breaks for the sin condition you were born into. And he wants to go deeper and farther and meet you in that place and rescue you out of it. And we see this in the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. So the angels went, they said, let's go. That's not scripture, I'm just saying that. You get it, you get what I'm saying. They went, they showed up, they sang the song, they announced the armies of heaven. Verse 15, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven and the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. So the angels went. They said, let's go. And then the shepherds said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what's up. They've told us this. And so they're going to go. I think about in their lives, it says they were just there minding their own business in their own life, in their own routine, doing their thing. They always do. And man, God just showed up like that. Disrupted everything. Do you remember the time in your life? Like you were just doing your own thing? Like you had your own plans, you knew, they knew this night we're going to do this, and tomorrow will be that, and I got this routine, this is how it's going to go, and all of a sudden their world was totally different. Their plans were totally different. They had their ways, but God has His. And so you'll find in your life when God shows up and invites you to go with Him, it, it will be a step out of the normal, <laughs> Okay, it will be outside of your comfort zone. It will be outside of what you thought was going to be for your life. Some of us have all kinds of plans for life, especially earlier. Like the younger we are, all kinds of dreams and aspirations. You know, if you go to my grade school writings, which are, you know, magnificent. <laughs> if you go there and I'm talking about what I'm going to be when I grow up, it is not a pastor, it's not a business owner, it's not what anything I've ever done, it's not. It's probably either MacGyver or Indiana Jones. <laughs> like, that's really probably what it is, and I still try to be MacGyver sometimes, and it makes Bethany very nervous when I start getting the duct tape out and fixing stuff around the house. But we have these plans for our life. Sometimes the plans are like they're, they're, they're career-oriented or they're success or they're this. I want to be this or that. And God does disrupt those things and say, hey, that's really prideful stuff. I just want to speak into your spirit right now and say, life's not all about you. Sometimes, though, we, we get plans in our life where we just plan to always be, uh, we, we, we plan to always be broken. Like, I've always been addicted, I'm always going to be addicted. I've always struggled with, with anxiety, and I've, I've always struggled, uh, I've, I've always struggled with jealousy, I've always struggled with, with sexual sin, I've always struggled with drugs or alcohol, I've always struggled with whatever it might be, you plug it into your life, and, and you say, I just, this, I've always been this way, I'm always going to be this way, and God, He can step into that very thing and say, no, 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 I set you free from that. You don't have to live into that. You, you don't have to. And, and sometimes we don't even know we're stuck in that mindset. And yet he reveals it to us because he loves us so much. He cares so much about you. He cares so much about me that, that sometimes we, we've got these plans. He said, no, I've got a different plan for you. A plan of wholeness. A plan of an abundant life. 
a plan where you can break the strongholds that Satan has on you. You don't have to always be in this place and accept it. I'm thankful he steps into our ordinary and flips it upside down. Man, he did mine, and it's the only reason I'm here. As they got up to go and left, I liked the way they went with urgency. When they said, let's go, it wasn't like, all right, set the alarm when the sun comes up. All right, we'll go. Or it wasn't like, let's make some plans. We've got to call a substitute, come out here and watch our sheep. You know, like, no, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. And they hurried with urgency because when God calls, that's all that matters. Like, it doesn't matter that any of the circumstances don't make sense or that things don't feel like they're working out. They just go. They hurried to Bethlehem. They found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby. I love that. There was the baby. They went with urgency. They found Jesus in a manger, which would be like a, a feeding trough. You know, we've got this thing down here. Not at all historically accurate. <laughs> it's wooden. It would not have been a wooden. It kind of can help you relate because this is mostly what we've seen at farms and barns growing up. Wooden feeding troughs. But it would have looked more like this. Uh, a concrete block that had been carved out. And then as they got there, these the shepherds that had always been the social outcasts and the outsiders and looked down upon, and, and they get to the place they feel very comfortable in, honestly. They get to a place where the manger is, where Mary and Joseph are, and they see the baby face to face, and they remembering what the angel said, that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah. And I tried to just imagine as a parent, Mary laying Jesus in, a, in this concrete thing that she probably would have tried to make it soft. Remember when Rosie was little, we would sometimes she would fight sleep. She wouldn't want to go to sleep at night, but she always fell asleep in the high chair at dinner time. So we found this out, and so we would just move the high chair into the living room and put her in that about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, and she would fall asleep in the high chair every time. <laughs> and then we'd move her to the bed or the crib or, or whatever she was sleeping in. But I thought as, as Mary would have laid Jesus in that, that she would have taken hay or straw or something, a cloth, to make sure it was soft. And I thought about it as the shepherds showed up and... and and that this king, this Messiah, that although there was pomp and circumstance in the announcement, when they're face to face with him, there's no pomp and circumstance. There's meekness and humility and meeting them right where they are. This probably wasn't far off from the way they were raised and they grew up around these things and this met them right where they were. And here's this king that's not that much different than them that is willing to step into the same mess they've lived their whole life in and live it with them. I think how it must have resonated with them that they felt so unworthy been social outcasts their entire life, and yet their king and their savior met them right where they were. They've been prophesied for hundreds of years, 
And here it was, I think probably, man, if the Pharisees had known this night, the word got around. God announced the Messiah to the shepherds. Whoo, you talk about them losing it. They would have lost it. And maybe that's why they never accepted it. Because they were so self-righteous. He would have told us first. They would not have told those people. Can I tell you for a minute, we're all those people. Every person sitting in this place, every person you meet, we're all those people. We were outside. And God at some point came to us. After seeing the baby and hearing these things, it says the shepherds told everyone. So the first they went to Bethlehem. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. And then they said, let's go tell everybody. <laughs> go tell it on the mountain. I'm not going to sing it. I'll save you the... <laughs> but they go tell everybody about what the angels told them and what they saw and how it was true. And they saw Jesus and the King and the Messiah. It has to be true. I mean, the armies of heaven just sang in the middle of the night, and we went and found the person, they said. And he was just in a manger like they said he would be. We, we want to tell you the good news. And so this morning, I really, in application, I got two things. One, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, whether you've never been to Bethlehem figuratively and looked him in the face and said, you are my king. Or whether you've been a hundred times. Th this morning, I want us to go. I, I want us to feel like the shepherds and say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go look Jesus in the face. Let's renew and deepen our relationship with him and realize, man, he came for me. And his mercy and grace is the only thing that gives me hope. It's all in him. We're invited to him for forgiveness of sins, a new heart, an abundant life, a new beginning. All these things we have that promise all throughout the New Testament that go meet him one time and you'll never stop going back. Amen. The other thing, so I want us to go there first. I want us to go to Jesus first. If you've never gone to Jesus, go there first. And then really what I want us to do in the Christmas season, the next week, I want us all to say, who, who, who's the forgotten? Who are the ones that are not going to get invited to Christmas dinner anywhere? Who are the ones who have nobody? Who are the, the ones that, to be honest with, if you were honest with yourself, you'd feel uncomfortable having dinner with? I want you to think about that, and I want us to go to those people, not in a big way, not collectively as a church. I'm saying you as, as yourself, your, your spouse, your family. I want you to think of somebody, someplace. It could be a, a nursing home. It could be a widow. It could be a jail. It could be, it could be all, any of these different places. It could be a homeless shelter. It could, be, it could be some person you've not talked to in some amount of time, and you realize, man, I'm just going through life, and I forgot about those people. I want us to go to the plain, the ordinary, the forgotten, the broken, the outsider, the social outcast. Because Hebrews 13 tells us that is actually where Jesus is. <laughs> and that's actually where he would be. Hebrews 13 says it like this. Let me read verse 12 first. Hebrews 13 verse 12 
It says, So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear disgrace he bore. I'll just be honest, I don't think Jesus would love all of our insider Christmas traditions. The cozy comfort of just the people we're, we, we are like and we agree with and, 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 and that, that, that makes us feel good about ourselves. Jesus will be going to find the people to be real and relevant to them in this season who are saying, man, is God even really real? Look at all those people having all their stuff, being all their ways and doing all their things. My invitation, his invitation is to say, go with me outside. Go with me outside the camp. Find those people because, you know, the beautiful thing about Jesus, he could be laying in a manger or the, the, the top-of-the-line Graco crib, three-in-one, transitions to a twin bed and all that stuff. <laughs> he is king. Like his place doesn't matter. He is king. And he went and bore disgrace that he didn't deserve question he asks us, are we willing to count the cost, to bore the disgrace, to make our own sacrifices? He goes on to say, and don't forget to do good and share with those in need. Can I tell you something? Those in need are not just materialists, not, not from a material perspective. When you think of that, you, uh, listen, there are people in gated communities, in, in nice homes that are desperately in need. Like, like, and so we might feel, I've lived in everything from a trailer to an apartment to a house. I lived all in between. We might feel like if I live in a trailer or an apartment, I can't invite somebody that lives in a nice house to dinner. Please do it, man. It'd be so good for us. It'd be so good for them. Are you following me? These people are not going to look like you. They might be a different color. They might be a different socioeconomic class. They might have a totally different background. They might have been in drugs their whole life, and you've never done drugs. Talk to the person who's done drugs their whole life and find out why. Hear their story. Find out about the abuse that happened in life. Find out about the time they just got a prescription that was, you know, it was, it was all legal, and they were just in sports in high school and got, got written a prescription that completely flipped their world upside down, changed the brain, and gave them a disease. And yet, sometimes we see them as outcasts. Like, I, I'm not talking about us collectively. I'm saying you and me and our families and our homes. Let's go. Let's go outside. Let's find the people that Jesus would go find and dine with and spend time with. And I don't want you to invite them to church. All right? I mean, you can. I want you to be the church. I want you to invite them to Jesus. They can come to church here. They can go to church anywhere they feel like they should. I don't, I'm, it's not about that. I want you to invite them to Jesus. I want you to be Jesus for them so they can not only hear about him, but they can see him in the way that you care for them. On a call this week, um, the same group of friends I was telling you, we text in and we get a let's go, which is always encouraging. 
Uh, we, we were in this call, and one of the guys there, he's maybe in his 30s, but he did some time in the military and got injured. And, and at the end of our session, we've been talking, and we've been talking kind of about this same thing. Like, can an outsider really feel comfortable in our churches? Like, I mean, some of them never had this stuff, right? Like, the Hobby Lobby look of the front foyer immediately feels like, I've never been in a place like this for some people. Are you with me? We're talking about all this, and, and, and we realize at the end, like, man, it's not about the things. It's about do our people have real relationships. Like, we can suffer a lot of discomfort when we're in close relationship with somebody. And so I'm not saying this is wrong, but I think we need to think about it. I think we need to think about these things. But he said, I was in the military for many years, and every training we ever did was all about deploying. So I trained, I had all this training in the military, and it was all about deploying. He said, my greatest regret is that I was in, I got all this training, I was in the military for many years, and I never deployed. And he said, I don't want my Christian walk to be that. I don't want to spend my whole life just going to church and learning the Bible and, and being, being the, being, be, learning how to be a good Christian and be churchy. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go my whole life training and learning and never deploy and go to the people on the outside, to go to the lost, to the broken. I never want to go all that time and never be Jesus to anybody. He said, I don't want my Christian life to be that way. My ask this morning is... If your first time here, you've been coming here for a short time, uh, please don't just come to church. God's got something so much bigger and deeper in store for your life. Don't think, my greatest fear is that we become a consumer church where you can come in on Sunday, have a good service, be comfortable, and go back to life. This is a pep rally. This is a gathering of people who are in relationship, on mission with God, that we come here to set launch to Monday. <laughs> okay, that you go wherever you go, into the classroom, into the doctor's office, and know that you are on mission with Christ to reach and share with every person. You deploy tomorrow. This is training. Deploying is tomorrow or this afternoon. Look at your neighbor. I say, let's go. You already said you would. See, I tricked you. <laughs> Beginning of the service. Say, where are we going? Outside. With Jesus. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that you set such a great example when you had the opportunity to announce the greatest thing that has ever happened on the face of this earth. That you went to the least of these to tell them. You set this example of the place that we should go and where our hearts should be burdened for. That, that we could turn our, our, our eyes and our hearts and our minds from ourselves and what we have and who we are. And we could see that in you. Your heart to be with the forgotten and the broken. And not just materially but spiritually. 
God, I just pray you'd bring people into our path that we could share your love with, that we could be the church, that we'd not have a heart to come to church, but we'd have a heart to be the church, to be your hands and feet. Such an important season that people would not just hear about the hope of Jesus and Christmas, but they should experience it from us. God, let us be that for you this week. Wherever you invite us, our heart's cry is let's go. In Jesus' name, amen.